Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Warning. The episode you're about to hear involves descriptions of sexual assault. Listener discretion is advised. Lost Shore Station, Deputy Shalef, I can help you. Hi, I'm calling from Joffrey's Restaurant in Malibu. Yeah. Um, we have a guest here who is refusing to pay her bill, and we think she may, I mean, she sounds really crazy, she may be on drugs or something. Um, we are wondering if someone could come by and pick her up. The 911 call you just heard led to what may be the most infamous and tragic missing persons cases in recent history in Malibu. On September 17, 2009, a 24-year-old beauty pageant contestant and psychology graduate named Mitrice Richardson was arrested after acting erratically and failing to pay her bill at the Malibu restaurant Joffrey's, just two minutes away from the spot where Lane Park's car was found. She was brought to the Lost Hills Sheriff Station, where her mother called and asked whether it would be possible to get Mitrice that night or if she needed to wait until morning. Here's that very call. I'm her mother, oh, okay. and are you guys gonna book her and then release her on her own recognizance tonight because it, it, it's dark, she doesn't have a car, and I don't want her wandering. I think the only way I will come and get her tonight is if you guys are gonna release her tonight. Yeah. If she's gonna be held in custody for some type of arraignment tomorrow, mm-hmm. then I will wait until tomorrow. She definitely has no place, you know, I mean, she's not from that area, and I would hate to <laughs> wake up to a morning report, so. Yeah her mom woke up to a morning report much like the one she was worried about the sheriff's department released Mitrice Richardson that night onto the deserted canyon road outside the station without her cell phone wallet or car and she was never seen alive again those skeletal remains found in Malibu Canyon earlier this week have been identified as Mitrice Richardson. After an 11-month search, park rangers inspecting a marijuana grow site in the mountains found Mitrice's body deep in an isolated canyon seven miles away from the Lost Hills Sheriff Station. The sheriff claimed there was no evidence of a homicide. But based on several inconsistencies and irregularities, many people believe foul play, as well as negligence and possibly a cover-up on the part of the sheriff's department. I 
don't care what anybody says because common sense says you do not release a young woman or anybody in the middle of the night with no means of caring for themselves. I want her returned and I want to find out what happened to this young woman and I want to find out now. Dr. Rhonda Hampton is a psychologist whom Richardson interned with. I'm sharing this story not just so you know what happened to my trees, because we will be discussing it more, but because Rhonda Hampton, who has led the fight for justice for my trees, would soon step forward with not just possible evidence of what happened to Elaine Park, but also more details on a very disturbing motive. Episode 2, Chapter 4, The Concert. What we've discovered, beyond what the police discovered, um, is that um, Elaine was um, at a concert, uh, and, and dates are important. because That's Jaden Brand speaking. He's the investigator working pro bono for Susan Park, the mother of Elaine Park, who went missing two months earlier. Ingrid and I are at our first meeting with them at the Malibu home of our friends, violinist Anne-Marie Simpson and her husband, Mike Einziger of Incubus. Jaden and Elaine's mother had just left the room to discuss sharing some confidential information with us. They then returned and decided to disclose that information because they believe it's the key to solving Elaine's disappearance. All indications from multiple sources, uh, she was raped at that event. Jaden and Susan believe that shortly before Elaine went missing, there were deleted tweets. She was planning to report this assault and those responsible to the authorities. Uh, Talk about seeking justice. She became aware of this at the end of December, around the mid to end December 2016. This is in the time frame where she was heavily involved with Divine. Divine, or Div, as you may recall, was Elaine's ex-boyfriend whose house she was last seen at. And this is where Jaden goes even further. A week before she went missing, she knew He's been investigating a theory that Divine knew people connected to Elaine's assault and that she was going to talk to him about her intentions to reveal the truth. Please keep in mind as you listen, you are hearing this information for the first time, just as I heard it in 2017. I tried to remain neutral and not jump to any conclusions, and I'd ask that you do the same. This was my first missing persons investigation, and I'd soon learn that things aren't always as they seem. We were able to recover the text messages from her computer. They spoke constantly since November 8th, all the way up until uh, January 3rd, when 
she sent him a long text saying she wants to get her life back together and you know he should go out and work on his life and and and, and they can't be together anymore no communication at all from january 3rd until january 20th when he sends her a dozen text messages in a row with no response from her note that this is eight days before lane disappeared they were basically we've got to talk about this don't don't do anything crazy you got to call me it's motive with evidence The indications from the friends initially, it was other artists. It wasn't father, but it was these other artists at the, at the show. When I talk about having a great deal of circumstantial evidence, that's what that is. Right. Now, I can tell you that the sheriff's department is ready to act on that evidence. Sheriff's homicide feels that that is sufficient evidence to move forward and continue the investigation. But at this time, they, they just can't do anything about it. The reason the Malibu Sheriff's hands are tied is because even though Elaine's car was found in their jurisdiction, the case officially belongs to the police department in Glendale, where Elaine actually lives. So the Sheriff's Department has no authority to investigate this, which is very frustrating for Jaden and Elaine's mother. So we promised to do everything we could to help. Since there was a connection to music, I also offered to look into writing about this for Rolling Stone. The magazine might open up the doors for us to some of these artists and people they were mentioning. So we can really work together on that. Should I talk to editors tomorrow then? I mean, I, I think the, yeah, everything you guys are saying, um, I think is a tremendous value. And the consensus is, among all the investigators involved, is we've got to start going back to some of the friends and asking some things that we didn't ask before. Hopefully we can kind of collaborate on that. We just have one question, and we should probably let you guys go. Let's just say that I take the story on, and then I start sniffing around that group of people. Uh, what about our, do, is there, do you think it's, they're dangerous for as far as my safety or my family's safety? I mean, my perception of, of danger and safety is probably skewed a bit, but um, you have to be aware of it, for sure. Jaden's answer wasn't very reassuring, but it wasn't a clear and direct threat either. So we committed to pressing forward. As everyone prepared to leave, Elaine's mother made one last request. Oh, before, before we go, I just want to mention, like, um, there's been a few comments in the Facebook uh, about, like, increasing the reward. Because, you know, if you have, like, certain amount of reward, but they turn their mothers in, and, you know, just people are saying... What Susan's referring to is comments from followers of the Help Find Elaine Park Facebook page, who apparently suggested that the current reward of $5,000 donated by Elaine's father was too low. We told her we'd talk to our friends and neighbors and see what we could do to increase that reward. Then, as Elaine's mother stood at the door after a meeting that had been over two and a half hours, 
she told us about the last heart-to-heart conversation she had with her daughter. And last sort of a conversation we had was, I guess, uh, three months ago now. Uh, she came to my room standing and she's like, you know, mom, you know, what, what should I be? What can I be? What did you want to be when you grow up, mom? And I say, ah, you know, I, I, when I was young, I, I guess I wanted to be a singer, but I'm not really good singing, but I wanted to be a singer. Mm-hmm. And um, so she's kind of chuckled and she goes, well, what should I be? I don't know what I want to be. And I say, well, she's really good in English. She loves to write and she's very creative writing and she's really good in a detailed drawing too um, I said well since you're like traveling a lot and you're really good in English and you like to you know be on the spot and attention and all so uh, why don't you be a, a journalist I could see you on TV and, and I always watch you know Fox News CNN channel 9 channel 7 see it see that I would like to see you do that but then like you know I was crying the other day like I want I didn't mean to see you on TV in a missing person case, you know. That's not what I was. I was sobbing and crying and talking to myself. Quick word from our sponsor, Simply Safe. As a listener of the show, you obviously know the world can be dangerous and unpredictable at times. And for me personally, when I'm involved in things like this, even before I was, safety, vigilance, and preparation were always important. And that's why I recommend Simply Safe Home Security. I actually use Simply Safe for my personal protection. And as you know, with the things I do, whether it's trying to find criminals and murderers who are still out there with to live and die in LA and get justice for the victims, or with to die for talking to former Russian spies who are spilling state secrets, I'm taking a risk and I feel safer knowing that I do have home security. And yes, this is a sponsorship. But also, I really, truly do believe that having home security will at the very, very least give you peace of mind and free you from worry. For me personally, I feel safe knowing it's house noises versus an intruder. So whatever you do for your home security, I recommend Simply Safe. It was named Best Home Security Systems of 2024 by the U.S. News and World Report. Simply Safe has given me and many of my listeners real peace of mind. I'd like you to have it too. You can get 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect monitoring. Just visit simplysafe.com/livela. That's s i m p l i s a f e.com/livela. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Do you ever wish you could become a detective and help find the clues to the case? How about all of that in a mobile game that you can take anywhere? In June's journey, each scene leads to a new thrilling storyline. Uncover the mystery of June's sister's murder and find out about scandalous family secrets. The gameplay lets you find hidden clues as you investigate a murder mystery. Escape to a bygone age of mystery, danger, and romance. Let your imagination run wild when decorating your island estate and collect scraps of information to fill your photo album and learn more about each character. Whether you're craving a good mystery or looking for an escape, you can immerse yourself in the world of June Parker. June's Journey is a hidden object mystery game with a captivating detective story taking you back to the glamour of the 1920s with a diverse cast of characters. 
Each new scene takes you further through a thrilling murder mystery story that sets the main protagonist, June Parker, on a quest to solve the murder of her sister and uncover her family's many secrets. I travel so much while working that I personally love to play it while sitting around airports with all that free time I have. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Chapter 5 The Smokeout Our little team jumped into action. We had never done this before, but clearly we'd been deputized. Being a journalist and a former newspaper fact checker, the first thing I wanted to do is confirm firsthand the information Jaden had shared. I called Rosemary Wheeler. Rosemary is the friend of Elaine's mom we met at that initial meeting. How do we know that Elaine was going to confront Divine about this? Rhonda Hampton was told at the search by friends of Elaine that that was the plan of Elaine. The night that she went to um, see Divine. Rhonda Hampton, as you may recall from the beginning of this episode, is the psychologist Mitrice Richardson had interned for. Rhonda had helped Mitrice's family after she went missing. And like Ingrid, she also noticed how little had been done for Elaine Park. So she helped organize a search on March 12th. Do we know which girls those were? It might have been Danielle and Sadie. You know what, I might even have pictures um, because I had taken so many pictures that day. There were only like two or three of her friends that showed up. There weren't very many. If you give me those photos, I can show them to Rhonda and ask. Let me go look through my photos and see if I have any of the girls that were there. Rosemary went on to tell me about an incident that occurred at the search between Divine's mother, Tanya, and Elaine's friends. When we were um, searching, the compares had driven by a few times. Tanya was sitting in the front seat and she rolled down the window at the stop sign and just yelled, yelled, are you, are you Daisy? Are you Daisy? She was yelling at Danielle. Are you Daisy, you little bitch? Daisy is a friend of Elaine's from when she went to Pierce College. Oh gosh, it was awful and I don't know why. Unless Daisy was going after Divine after the fact. And Daisy wasn't at the search. Well, why why wasn't Daisy at the search? I don't know. You know what, I I could double check. I should send the sign-in sheets. I have it all of who attended. That'd be great to see. So, yeah, 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 I will get that. What's the connection between Daisy and Divine? Because um, as far as I know, they didn't really know each other. I never had the opportunity to ask Daisy. I wish I had. You know what? Can I say one more thing? Please. The compares shut Facebook down. They shut my Facebook down. By her Facebook, Rosemary means the Help Find Elaine Park Facebook page that she started to support Elaine's mom. I couldn't make any posts. And Jaden confirmed that they did shut the page down. But Facebook was super cooperative and getting me back up and running in like two days. But that was, that was, that's just, it's just weird. 
they have a great platform to stand on, you know, and they could put it out on a national level. Why not just help us? While I was speaking with Rosemary, Mike Einziger tried to get in touch with Divine. The reason he took on this task is because he had a direct connection to Divine's father, Shakim. It turns out that Incubus's manager, Johnny Wright, happens to know Shakim, so Mike had his manager make an introduction. Here's a reenactment of part of that call with an actor playing Shakim. I'd love to be able to get together with you and your son. I don't know if that's possible, but he might be able to actually give us some information that might be able to help us out. But yeah, my son, they weren't really, like, dating. It was like, you know, they had recently met, so it wasn't like it was his girlfriend. Okay, I mean, we're, we're, we're just trying to help figure out what happened and solve a problem. Well, Michael, I appreciate it a thousand percent, but it would mean a lot more to me because... You know, like I said, I've talked to the detectives a couple of times, and we have nothing to hide. We gave them the video of everything we had. And they've been in the house. They've talked to our attorneys. So, like I said, I, I think the best thing to do in this situation, if you really want to help us, is to share that information with the police and let them do with it what they may. Yeah, that's that's fair enough. The You know, the only issue with that is that the police decided very early on that this is just like a volunteer missing person case, so they're kind of not going to be doing anything. Uh, well, not this guy. Not this guy. I think you will like this guy. I, I think you will like this guy that I've been dealing with. And like I said, if you really want to help, I think it's best to share that information with the people that can do something about it. While Shakim was polite, it was also clear that he wasn't interested in speaking with some random rock star moonlighting as a detective. So with this one road to Divine closed, we decided to continue our research, then circle back later. My next step was to schedule a meeting with psychologist and missing persons advocate Rhonda Hampton at her office in Diamond Bar, California. Rhonda had helped organize the initial search for Elaine. I talked to the detective. He was not going to search. And I said, well, I'm going to do it myself and just got my volunteers together. And then she was able to get lots of other of her friends together to come out. And we just did the search. Rhonda Hampton had also been doing her own social media diving and noticed something that bothered her. I just felt like she was involved in something else. If that's true, I'm looking at her friends and those friends know something. So Rhonda found a situation during the search where she could talk to Elaine's friends alone and unobserved. I said, well, what do you think happened? Why do you think she was even at Divine's house in the first place? Right. And they told me because she told them that she was going there to confront him about the rape and that she wanted to file charges. She wanted him to be like her witness or to, you know, support her in that. So right. that's why she was going. Rhonda asked Elaine's friends what evidence they had to prove that Elaine was going to see Divine to get his support before she reported the assault to the police. The girl said that there was, there was a video, which I believe they said was like about 45 minutes long. And she was going on and on and on about what happened to her and how she was gonna go challenge Divine on it. And I think it was like about two or three days before she actually went to the house. 
They clearly were saying that she was going to tell him, you need to help me confront him. Rhonda then brought up the name of a very famous rapper. Why she mentioned him is unclear to me since he wasn't performing at the concert that Elaine went to that night. Then we start talking for some reason about Kodak Black. And so they were saying that they thought it was absolutely crazy to think that Kodak Black would have had anything to do with raping anybody or anything like that. I said, well, girls, you do know that he's been in jail. They didn't, they stopped dead in their tracks. And that's when the tone changed. I said, okay, girl, so what's up? There's one that has brown hair and one that has blonde hair. So the one with the blonde hair was saying, no, we have to tell her everything. We need to tell her everything. And then the other one was like, no, no, we're not, we're not. Those two girls know something. They said Kodak Black. No, I did because I was looking at, it was either Instagram or whatever, and, and just looking at who was in and around around the time that Elaine went missing, like maybe a month before and a month after, and Kodak Black's name, he just showed up in one of the photographs. And you saw that on Div's Instagram? I think it was Div's Instagram. I asked Rhonda what evidence she had that Elaine was going to come forward now, and she referenced a video on the streaming app Periscope. They said it had happened a while ago, but for some reason, she put it on Periscope, like right before she went missing. I don't know what they, what it is that they're not telling me. Because one of them wanted to tell me, the, the brown hair one, like she wanted to tell me everything. The other one wouldn't let her. I showed Rhonda the pictures Rosemarie had given to me so she could identify the two friends. And she identified them as Kristen and Danielle. I also asked her if she knew why Divine's mother was yelling for Daisy, and she had no idea. So now, I needed to talk to all three of these friends, Danielle, Kristen, and Daisy. Smoke those friends out. Somebody knows something. One of those friends knows something. The friend I was most curious about was Daisy. Why was Divine's mother looking for her? And what does she know about the events leading up to Elaine's disappearance. The only problem was that we weren't sure how to best get in touch with her. Fortunately, there are cases when having a famous musician on your investigative team comes in handy. I tweeted something about Elaine, and then Daisy retweeted it. Like, she's paying attention, you know, to what we're saying. And so I figured if she retweeted my tweet that she'd be receptive to me reaching out to her. So I said, hey, Daisy, thank you for retweeting the post about Elaine. And then I sent her a screenshot of this concert that we were playing at the Staples Center a few days later. And it was like us and Skrillex and Zed and Halsey and Macklemore and Imagine Dragons and all these artists. And then I wrote, I'm playing this concert at the Staples Center on Monday. want to come hang. And she wrote, thank you for sharing. Elaine's my best friend. And then she wrote, yeah, sounds like fun. So we exchanged numbers, and then I just wrote, all good, we'll text you, so it'll be easier for you to find me backstage after the show. That's amazing. We all met at Mike Einziger and Anne Marie's house before the show and discussed the plan for the night. We were strategizing about how Mike's meeting Daisy tonight. 
The goal was just to build a relationship with Daisy so we could get honest answers to our questions that might not be shared in a police or a private investigator interrogation. If Rhonda Hampton is right, and the friends are hiding something, this may be our best chance to build trust and get the truth. Here's Anne-Marie. It's a really simple plan. We're going to let her talk, let her be organic, no probing. Mike will brief the band that, like, Daisy's coming not to talk at all about the case because I think they know about it. They know. But I don't want any of them to be like, hey, what's up with that, like, murder case? You know, like, I don't like. They know know about the case, but they don't know that, like, they don't know any specific details about it. And then um, we also mentioned how important Uh, it is for if they organically do talk about the case for Mike not to, like, accidentally reveal their details. I I can act cool. So then that's all that we have for the Daisy strategy. It's just really basic. We don't want to get too in depth. Mike called on his way home from the concert and said that he had indeed met Daisy. And she agreed to speak with us candidly about Elaine. They were, like, they, they, they were super excited about the concert. They seemed super happy to be there. They'll definitely they'll yep. totally talk to us. While waiting to meet with Daisy, I called Jaden to figure out if I needed to look into Kodak Black also. The name appeared to come completely out of the blue. And it seemed that this connection was based more on his arrest record than an actual fact. You know, we looked into him because there was some incidental, you know, link to kind of that group and what was going on. Um, we actually spoke with his attorney, um, and he stated that he talked to Kodak and actually showed him a picture of Elaine and. You know, from what he said, Kodak said that he's never met Elaine, never seen Elaine, and that he was in fact not in Los Angeles on uh, January 27th or the 28th. Um, and we actually confirmed that because he did have a uh, hit a concert on January 28th in uh, Richmond, Virginia. Okay, great, thanks. I'm gonna chase down all the rest of the stuff that, that you mentioned uh, and also that Rhonda Hampton mentioned. For sure, yeah, no problem, and uh, let me know. Two days after Mike's concert, Daisy nervously arrived at his house with her boyfriend. Oh, right. Hey, good to you. And though I expected to meet someone who was nonchalant about Elaine, the person I met instead was a friend who cared very much about Elaine. This is Daisy. I didn't talk to her for like two months before this even happens, and then she goes missing, this is crazy. She just said she was getting her life together and she'll talk to me soon. I asked Daisy if she was comfortable speaking with us about everything, even things that might make her or Elaine look bad or possibly be illegal. I'm like oh, really okay with speaking about everything, just like the most probably with like talking about the boyfriend. Just cause I don't, pers- I've never personally met him. I don't even know what he looks like. And I just don't want him to like, 
he was asking for me and I think that's just really weird for him to be asking for me. I never met him. Like, I never even knew what he looked like until recent. And you didn't, like, you weren't in touch with him at all? No. The only time I had, like, a conversation with him, with him was when it happened. I called him and he knew who I was. And I was like, okay, well, I'm just calling you, like, trying to ask you what happened. He said they went to the movies and he Ubered them there so she doesn't have to drive. They came back and they fell asleep or something like that. And she got up at four in the morning. He told me four. He was very sure that it was four in the morning. And he said, she woke up at four in the morning and he's like, I ain't never seen anybody change so fast in my life. And um, she got up and left. It's worth remembering that according to the security camera footage outside the compare's house, Elaine left just after 6 a.m. She seemed very upset over something, and I was like, okay, upset about what? You didn't ask her? And he was just like, I don't know, you know, everything that's going on in her house, but uh, and, yeah. And do you believe what they're saying? I don't really believe it, just because I don't know who he is, and I never met him, so I don't even know like, how he is, you know? Why do you go to the search party and ask for me and don't even hope to look for Elaine? He didn't even help look for her. All yeah. he went is to go ask for me and that was it. And then they said Daisy's not here and he drove off. I asked Daisy why she thought Divine and his family were looking for her so intently. I don't know, it's just weird. Like, what do you want? Why are you looking for me? Like, you know? And so what, what do you think? I don't know, it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Like, that's literally the only thing I can think of. She's not the type to be taken. She's just so, like, aware of everything. If a car's following her, she'll notice it. She's just, like, not the type to, for that to happen to her at all. Her and Dave had broken up beforehand, right? Yeah. So why was she going back to Dave's You see, I don't know. Up? Since Daisy was at the concert where Elaine was assaulted, I asked her about that night. Went to this concert and then this was at the observatory in Orange yeah. County. It was bad. We got to the show and then we met up with Michael. Michael is the road manager of the rapper Father, who headlined the concert that night, which also featured Playboy Cardi and other artists. And we were at the... Um, the merch table right. and I was it was me and my other friend Viviana and we were like hanging out there and Elaine was with us too. Playboy Cardi came up to the table. At the time I had no idea who he right, was right. so I was like who are you? He comes up to me and I don't even know how he knew I had weed right. but he was like let me buy some weed off of you and I was like who are you? No. I mean, this is like mine you know I'm right. not gonna sell, sell you my weed and he was like come up, come with me um, I was like, I'll, let, I'll smoke with you if you want, but like, I'm not going to sell you my weed. Then this is how we got to the back. And then I went to the back with Playboy Cardi, and then like I smoked, and instead of like smoking with him, he took my weed. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to leave. I don't want to be here. Right. It's like, I kind of just want to go see the show, and she wanted to stay there, and because right. and, she was like cool with Michael and stuff. And I was like, okay, that's fine. I was like, I'm going to go. I'll be back. And then, and then I left, and then I didn't see her the whole concert right. at all. 
and to the end and to the end i was like okay like where's elaine so i'm like looking for her and she finally she like came to me and then i thought at the time i thought she was just really drunk so then like one of her friends like ubered us from there and like dropped everybody off she told me like that she feels like maybe she had like hooked up with somebody like when she was like really drunk and like in the restroom or something but we we don't know who yeah we don't know who when i asked like michael because i was like what did she do like did she do any drugs or anything like why was she so fucked up and then he was like well, she was doing xanax daisy went on to explain that she was told elaine was doing xanax with an artist backstage which when combined with alcohol put her in a condition where she was not fully able to recall what happened let alone give consent a year later as elaine began to realize what had happened at the concert she began cutting off friends who were with her that night, including Daisy. Elaine wasn't talking to me for like a month and a half, like two months. And then I hung out with my friend, um, Elizabeth. And I was talking to her and I was like, have you talked to Elaine? Because I haven't talked to her and I'm kind of getting a little worried. And he's like, she's like, no, like me too. Like she's not talking to me either. Like I don't know what's wrong. Maybe she's mad at me. And yeah, I text her every day. Like, are you okay? And then that's when she told me about the tweets. She was telling me that she was posting like provocative pictures as well, like on there. And that's not Elaine. She doesn't do that. Elizabeth says something about, um, you know who you are, you know what you did. Yes. I feel like she recently found out. I feel like those two months that she didn't talk to me, I think that's when she found out. I'm pretty sure she knows something because Michael told me, when I called Michael, he said that Elaine contacted him about that night recently, like, in January before she went missing and she was asking him more questions like you know like anything that happened or stuff like that like she was just a lot more curious about it I don't know why that night was so bad that's literally like the worst ever like I wasn't there you know I would never let her do something that I asked if there was anyone Elaine was still close to and Daisy mentions one of Elaine's high school friends. In the months that I wasn't talking yeah. to her, she was talking to, Elaine was talking to Sadie, but she wasn't talking to me. Sadie saw her like right before she went to Div's right. at 7 p.m. Div told me that she got to his place at like eight or something right. like that. Sadie went to Elaine's house to pick up like a curler or something like that. She said that Elaine just went in and got it and gave it to her and said nothing and just drove off. Like, Sadie knows stuff, like, that she didn't want to tell me. I even pretended. I was like, oh, yeah, Elaine told me. She's trying to see if she'll tell me, but I don't know. I think she, she knows stuff, but I just don't know. Just maybe she doesn't want to say because Elaine probably told her, like, not to say anything. But at this point, it's like you kind of have to talk. What's unbelievable to me is that Elaine has been missing for two months. And the people who care about her aren't effectively communicating to find out what happened. It seems like everyone is hiding secrets about her. Shortly after the father Playboy Cardi show, 
Daisy was with Elaine at another concert at the observatory by the artist Xavier Wolf. And something odd happened in the parking lot. So we all went to the parking lot and then this this like Asian guy, I have like no idea what his name right, is, right. but this Asian guy like whispered in her ear saying like, um, it's like so gross, but he was like, give me top or something or something like that. And we were like, what? Like, what are you talking about? Like, who the hell are you? And then I think he was like at the show um, and like he remembers her from the show. I see him a lot. He's like a photographer or something, but I don't know his name. But I always see him at like a lot of shows. I see him on, I've seen him at Father Ones. I've seen him at Playboy Cardi shows. I've seen him at Xavier shows. I've seen him everywhere. But I just don't know his name at all. Maybe he saw something. I don't know. Maybe he knows what happened that day. Cause I, yeah, he, he did a whisper in her ear and I was like, what did he tell you? Like, that's so weird, but it was creepy. This person that Daisy is talking about may not only know what happened to Elaine, but he may have been backstage at the observatory that night. I needed to find out who he was. Before Daisy left, I asked her for the number of Father's Road Manager, Michael. Here's Michael. Um, I met Elaine about two years ago. I was... uh tour managing for an act that uh, she was a fan of. He uh, he tweeted out, like, you know, who's got Zans in L.A. or Xanax? And she was one of the people that responded to the tweet. Just to clarify, according to Daisy, Elaine was definitely not a drug dealer. She just wanted to meet the artist. And since she had a hookup for Xanax, she found a way to make it happen. You know, they exchanged info. She came to our Airbnb and... Uh, we were in Pasadena at the time, and she came through, she sold him the Zens. She ended up being cool, so we put her on the guest list. Are there, is there any chance at all that Divine, that Divine was there that night? I'm not sure to say if he was at the show or not. And I came across his uh, Instagram, just because I've kind of been obsessed with this case, too, past couple months. No, this guy is a huge Ian Connor fan, huge Playboy Cardi fan, like really follows their, their fan pages, their regular pages, just like a real ASAP kind of guy. So I have, you know, I have hella theories in my head about what happened to Elaine. As far as what happened to Elaine at the concert, Michael says that he knows nothing about this. However, about a month before Elaine's disappearance, he received an unusual phone call from her. Fast forward to this past December, uh, December 2016, where she texted me and says, you know, Mike, uh, I got to talk to you about something serious. Call me. And I call her and she asked me, like, you know, a lot of people have been coming up to me saying, you know, I might have possibly gotten, like, assaulted or raped or something at the show uh, two years ago. And I know you don't drink or smoke at shows, so um, I just wonder if you, you know, remembered anything or OD like that. I don't know if you've ever been to the observatory in Santa Ana, but backstage at observatory Santa Ana is huge. Like several rooms. Usually venues have like one or two green rooms, one or two private bathrooms, but that shit's huge. So I, I told her I wouldn't be surprised if that happened, but at the same time, I couldn't say that it happened. I feel like the possibilities are endless. 
I just asked her, like, you know, if, if this had happened, like, so long ago, like, why are you just calling me about it now? Like, when everyone's memory so fuzzy. And she just said, like, I just can't take it anymore. Like, I try to block it out. Like, I try to forget about it since I don't remember what happened. But at this point, like, I got to, like, search for answers. It's been tough lately, like, with school and work and all types of shit. Like, I just really haven't even been myself. Like, she used to, like, like, did a little artsy shit like drawing and shit she said she hasn't been on that shit just cause like how heavy the situation had been weighing on her trying to block it out and she like literally couldn't cause it kept coming up over you know whether it be weeks or months or whatever even years like it's just something that kept re-emerging two weeks after that or so maybe three weeks is when Daisy added me on Instagram and I saw that her picture was uh, like, you know, helped me find my missing friend, Elaine. Do you know any of the people who came up to her and said stuff? Because, like, if I could somehow find those people. No, I don't. Um, she had told me a name. She asked me if I knew him and I didn't, but um, she had mentioned a specific name. Shit. But, man, it'd be impossible for me to call right now. And Shit, man. Was it like a stage kind of name or was it like a, just a person's name? You know, it was a guy's name and he was involved with Xavier Wolf. Oh, dude. Was it an Asian dude? Yes. Fuck. Oh, what? shit. No, because no, Daisy mentioned it was an Asian dude, huh? Yeah, it was an Asian dude somehow like affiliated with Xavier Wolf. After hearing Michael's first-hand account, I had enough clues to search hashtags and followers on Instagram to try to find an Asian male who was at the concert where Elaine was assaulted and who was also associated with the rapper Xavier Wolf. And sure enough, I eventually found an account under the name Kenny Chosen of an Asian male who was at the concert and had photos hanging out with Xavier Wolf and Playboy Cardi. So I immediately called Elaine's friend, Daisy. Hello? Oh, hey. Hey, sorry, my phone was charging. I wanted to confirm that this was indeed the person who came up to Elaine talking about the assault. I'm going to send you a photo and see if you see if this looks like him to you. Okay. Okay, hold on. I'm going to text it right now. Let's see if this is the guy. Hold on. Oh, yeah. No way. Really? This is definitely the guy who came up to Elaine and said the weird stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was just the guy that came up to Elaine. We didn't even know him, never hung out with him, never interacted with him, just there. We had our man. Finally, we might be able to find out what happened to Elaine at that concert and if there's any connection between that and her disappearance. I messaged Kenny Chosen on Instagram and eventually he responded with his phone number. So I called him. Hey, uh, Kenny? Kenny? Hey, what up? How you doing? Hey, 
So yeah, I'm calling kind of about a strange story that you might not even know about, but uh, but you might actually be able to help with it. Sure. There was a Playboy Cardi father show in LA, be it like the observatory or something. And were you backstage at the show? Oh yeah, I was backstage. Do you remember there was like an Asian girl named Elaine Park? And she was like drinking, taking Xanax and like a little fucked up. Kenny steps away from the phone, then returns. I remember though, I remember though, sir. Thank you for listening to this episode. And I have a few important announcements. This is still an active investigation. So if you have any information regarding the disappearance of Elaine Park or any of the parties that have been mentioned here, please email us at livedieLA at tenderfoot.tv. You can call us anonymously at 213-204-2073. As mentioned in this podcast, we've been able to add to the reward and it currently stands at $140,000 for any information leading directly to Elaine Park's whereabouts. We've posted supplemental material related to this investigation on our social media accounts at LiveDieLAPod. If you have experienced sexual violence and are seeking help or would like more information, you can call the National Sexual Assault Hotline at 1-800-656-4673. To Live and Die in LA is a production of Tenderfoot TV and Neil Strauss in association with Cadence 13. Executive producers are Neil Strauss, Donald Albright, and Payne Lindsay. Produced and edited by Tristan Bankston. Consulting producer, Alex Vespasted. Mixed and mastered by Cooper Skinner and Devin Johnson. Original music and score by Makeup and Vanity Set with additional musical services by Tristan Bankston. The theme song is Love and War by Flurry. Cover design by Trevor Eiler with Isaac Johnson as the voice of Shakim. And special thanks to Chris Corcoran and the team at Cadence 13, Abigail Bankston, Orrin Siegel, Orrin Rosenbaum and Grace Royer at UTA, the Nord Group Station 16, and Beck Media and Marketing. Please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. Our hope is to expose these stories so that we may learn from them and hold those responsible accountable for their actions. Thank you for your support.